now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmarlroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands And you can get in on their sweepstakes. I'll be down there at Bayshore Mall, Kirk Freeport, today from 11 a.m. To- 
7.30 right now. Blake and Aaron in the morning. It's Aaron's Dirty on Oop, the 30. That's not right, is it? No, no. that's not the right thing. How about Big that? News. <laughs> I was like, news yeah. for you. wrong button. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Morning. How are you? Yeah. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We are good. How are you? I'm good. I found one pair of glasses this morning and couldn't find the other pair. And I thought to myself, that's why at this age, you should always have two. <laughs> glasses. Now, are these reading glasses or are these? No, these are, I need to get around myself glasses during the day. I can okay. sort of go without them. But, you know, if you don't want the distance to look too fuzzy, you put them on. What's your prescription there? What's your yeah. minus? What's your negative? I have no, I have no idea. I really? have no yeah, it's one of those things that I never commit to memory. Ah, These I'm negative, glasses, um, 35, negative 35. Holy cow. Oh, no, blind. I wear contacts all the time. If I don't have contacts or glasses on, yeah. be scared. You're running into stuff? I'm minus, yeah. minus I mean, I 0.75. You know, point many, many years yeah. ago, um, I, I wore glasses. Called. Very little. Yeah. Yeah, you and were going How did, did it just correct itself? I was going to say, I did LASIK surgery. Uh, and that was like I did as well. Yeah, best money I've ever spent, like I can honestly say. I never did it. And then I went a couple of years ago and I was like, yeah, I think I might maybe just, you know, this is before COVID. And I was like, yeah, I might nip up to Miami, maybe get it done or something. She's like, don't bother. You're almost 40. And oh, yeah. her eyes will change. I was like, okay, straight out of uni. I was, uh, <laughs> I was lucky. And one of the perks in radio when I was in Washington, D.C., on the radio there, they... The uh, one local place was like, hey, we'd like to correct your vision with LASIK. Uh, you know, we'll do it for free. And then you talk about it on the radio. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like, yes, please. Yep. So I think I had mine done in 2001. Yeah. And the, and the technology it's is fantastic. actually is a I lot. Like that's about when I did mine. Maybe it was around 2000 or so. But yeah. Yeah. So awesome. since then, my eyes have slipped a little bit. So minus 0. 0.75. Yeah. I'll change so a little which bit. Is, yeah. But that's not too bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you got for us this morning, Sandy? Well, the biggest news in the land. The Cayman Islands has at least its first case of Omicron. Mm -hmm. um, so it's here, folks. And uh, that means that there's going to be a press briefing this afternoon at 2 o'clock to discuss, you know, what that means for the Cayman Islands. And I guess if there will be any changes as a result of that. Okay. So oh. is this a traveler? Do we know? Yes. I mean, we don't know if it's a traveler as in a tourist or somebody returning. Yeah. It's obviously <laughs> someone that's travelers. Yeah. Um, had to get here but, somewhere. It didn't just, it didn't right. just like, yeah, fly over. Oh, yeah. let's, let's, <laughs> let's hope Santa doesn't bring Wasn't any of those boat? variants. No. Didn't come in on a boat. Well, so, oh. uh, no, because, you know, the person um, came in and I think they didn't test positive until like day three or whatever. is. You know how they do their mandatory LFT testing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what caught it. Wow. Yeah. But and but they're testing for the different variants. So then they mm -hmm. went and got a PCR after a LFT, I'm assuming, because I don't think you'd know the variants through that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sandra, thankfully, we have the capacity to check for it without uh, any additional equipment. So and the new CMO is a, uh, he's a, what, what, she. You, what would you, she? She. She is, uh, isn't she a, um, a, 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 what is it, epidemiologist? Yeah. Right? No. What is no. she? Um, she is, she's former head of um, Public Health England for the region. 
Mm -hmm. And um, she is a like ex expert consultant for um, oh gosh, what's her what's her title again? Um, an expert consultant for. We need to get her on the show so that we can yeah, yeah. learn yeah, more. Yeah. I can't remember her name, her title now, but I mean she she deals with outbreaks of diseases, but she's not an epidemiologist. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that reminded me. Remember a while back, uh, this would be a few weeks ago. You said there was going to be a cruise ship that that uh, was coming in. Did that ship ever come? It's supposed to be coming the end of the year. Oh, end of the year. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's after Christmas, right? Is it? Okay. What's the yes. date on that? It's the twenty eighth. So oh, she's 28th. an infectious disease expert. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She is. Um, I don't think that's the same thing as an epidemiologist, actually. No, um, but it's, it's um, you know, they're still studying. And they're still studying, like, you know, mm -hmm. more than yeah. more than you or I know. <laughs> oh, for sure. So I guess we'll be seeing her for the first time today, actually. Oh, oh yeah, actually. Oh, they will probably introduce. And what's her name? Dr. Uh, Otulia Newton, I think is how her, she pronounces her first name. Dr. Newton. Dr. Yes. Newton. Dr. Newton. Dr. Newton, I presume. Yeah, so she was she was head of um, Public Health England UK Overseas Territories team. Wow. And she's also an experienced consultant on communicable disease control. Ah, all right. Yeah, so she's worked in Sierra Leone during the Ebola outbreak, Indonesia Ooh. after the 2004 tsunami. So Turks and Caicos, um, she provided them with technical support in June of 2020. And more recently, she was actually playing kind of the same role in uh, Gibraltar's interim CMO for them as well. So it comes well qualified. Great. Excellent. Very excited to, mm -hmm. to find out what this press conference is about. Please don't throw any more hoops. If you do anything, just make it after Saturday. <laughs> It'll be, uh, your your test needs to be uh, no sooner than four hours before your flight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh Lord, don't, don't stress <laughs> Aaron out. Luckily yeah. they are paying for one that's like, They'll yeah. get the results in one hour, but I mean, they're paying for one. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a lot. Sandy, anything else? Um, so in light of that, the governor has obviously said to people, go get your booster because the mm -hmm. booster brings up your um, protection, uh, especially from Pfizer, back up to, you know, comparable um, levels. Right. So um, I think I'm going to probably do mine this weekend. I was going to wait until after the holidays. I kind of felt like there was no rush as long as Omicron wasn't here. Mm -hmm. uh, now that it's here, <laughs> I'm just I'll like, yeah, maybe I'll go Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, uh, there you are. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to get mine. And then uh, a couple of police reports. So the police had to use non-lethal methods on a woman who assaulted police. And uh, that did not turn out well for her. Okay. So this mm -hmm. was in Lakeside Villas um, on Sunday. They did you get tased? Sorry. Did she get tased? Um, they were, um, they actually used. Uh, let me see what they decided to use on her. They <laughs> Don't said tase me, bro. But Don't tase me, bro. Yeah. They didn't specify. They said non-lethal option was taken, but probably that's what that means. Mm. Um. So yes, there's an altercation between a man and a woman in the parking lot, and she was the one who then decided to um, threaten the police multiple times. And um, that's they, a no no. They yeah. were like, oh, can't threaten anybody. Yeah, you shouldn't threaten yeah, anybody. Right. Back up. 
And so they use less lethal option is how they termed it. Mm. Yeah. Um, was there alcohol involved? Probably. They don't say, but normally when you find people acting crazy in the middle of the afternoon. Not always. Too many drinks. <laughs> yeah, not always. Not always. <laughs> not always. Sometimes they're just crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the COVID numbers, interestingly enough, continue to decline. So we had 29 cases reported yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, again, majority in the community. So 27 in the community and two in travelers. And um, I don't know if you guys heard about this little situation in Haiti where they had a tanker explode. Did you guys hear about that? No. Mm -mm. Yeah, and so a regional news section has um, over 70 people were killed as a result of this tanker explosion. Seven zero? Seven zero, yeah. Wow. At, least, at least 77 um, and counting. So it, it's in Haiti's second largest city uh, called Cap Haitian. Mm. Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it right, but I think that's it. Um, so it was stopped due to mechanical issues and it began leaking gas. And uh, yeah, it exploded. Oh, man. Yeah. That's terrible. So very sad. Well, um, we actually have a, a media friend who works for the Miami Herald. And she is the Haitian, well, she's actually the English-speaking Caribbean correspondent for them. But she has a Haitian background. I think her parents are from Haiti. Mm. So she's in Haiti quite a bit. So like, for example, when they had the assassination in July, she went there for a bit to cover stuff on the news. So we're going to reach out to her and see if maybe she can come on the show because Gosh, those poor people in Haiti, it's always something that's going on. Earthquakes, assassinations. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the earthquake, like, no one even noticed the earthquake, like, that happened. No one was talking about it because it was, like, I think it was when something else big happened in the world. And it was like, well, let's talk about this instead. And Yeah, like, five, well, five weeks after their presidential, their president was assassinated, um, and that remains as an unsolved murder. They had um, the southern prince of Haiti was hit by 7.2 yeah. magnitude mm -hmm. earthquake, killing, you know, over 2,200 people. So, yeah, they've always got it a bit rough um, in Haiti, unfortunately for them. Hey, so thoughts go out to them for sure. Speaking of assassinations, uh, so today, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, they're, the U.S. government mm -hmm. uh, archives is releasing over 1,500 documents related to the JFK assassination that they okay. ha that have been classified for all these years. So they're declassifying these documents. I mean, they can declassify it, but it's still going to be mostly redacted. Well, I don't know, actually. That's a little bit different. It's like, yeah, it's got the... But apparently these classified documents are supposed to be released mm -hmm. after 25 years. That's why the all the, you know, the documents came out the about UFO. the UFOs. Oh. Uh, we didn't really learn much new. I doubt That's we're going to learn much a lot, new. A lot still will be redacted. It's like it's Could not be. Really, yeah. Uh, unless, unless the president says no, we can't release those because mm -hmm. of you know X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. But but well, you know that recently there was a request um, for them to release like all the Pfizer documents, like everything I guess that Pfizer submitted to um, to get approved and the uh you know i don't know what department in the u.s said no you have to wait 100 years or whatever the time <laughs> period is great and i thought to myself it's interesting because that is the standard that they use uh for a lot of things but of course people immediately went to oh yes this is proof that it's a conspiracy because it's <laughs> the vaccine um but i i thought to myself in terms of public confidence this is probably one of those times that you would have made an exception. Like you probably would have said, you know what? 
let's see what we can release. Um, obviously redacted like company information and stuff like that has to be redacted. Um, but you know, chances are most people won't likely have to wait until the government releases it. Cause you've got people like, uh, what's his name? Um, the one guy who goes and hacks databases and releases documents all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Interesting stuff. But, um, yeah, the the FDA wants to wait fifty five years to process an FOI request over vaccine data, which is a little hmm. bit crazy. <laughs> it does. I, I yeah, seems a little weird. So going back to that Haiti earthquake, real quick, I forgot. So it happened right before Tropical Storm Grace came through. So then they had to deal with the with mm. Grace going through mm. before it hit us. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Tough times. Uh, Sandy, we'll yeah. let you go to your show and you can Thank catch you. Uh, on shout out to, um The Ritz, by the way. We're going to be talking about them this morning, but they had their kind of thing last night. Did you go? Yeah, we were there. Oh, we gave everybody a little tour. So if you want to see what it looks like, uh, we put the cool. video up on our YouTube, or Facebook channel. Um, just click in the video link and you'll see it there. So it was um, very interesting. They've gone with a very Caymanian theme. Um, so that was pretty cool. So we'll go through some of that this morning. So like, wait, they just changed the restaurants up or they did? No, this is a major renovation. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. I thought they changed just does it feel Does it feel fresh? Or does it yes. feel? I think that um, if you have visited the Ritz before, you do mm -hmm. go in there going, oh, there's new stuff. Um, but a lot of it, I think, just works. You know, I'm, I'm obviously not a designer, but I feel like a lot of it works really well. So nothing like automatically jumps out at you and so they gave tours talking about some of the stuff that was different that had been changed and you know all the design concepts and yeah that was very very helpful to understand you know where pieces were and what they meant so yeah it was pretty good but they're not going to do that to everybody that comes and stays there i mean you're going to no, go no, you're going to feel, you go gonna feel the vibe or not right yeah that's why you go and see amari and watch it and you know what's been changed yeah very cool. cool. We'll do that. Check it out. Yeah. All right. We'll see you tomorrow for the Friday show. Beautiful. Thank you. Alrighty. All right. See you okay. then. All right, guys. Have a good one. Right. You too. You too. All right, folks. We're getting that much closer to Christmas, believe it or not. Good morning to everyone. Tracy, check your messages. I sent you a message this morning based on what you, I replied to your message from last night. Got some links for you. Diamond Princess, good morning. Good morning, Irvelyn. Olivia's here. Miss Weeby, good morning. Larry is here. Thank you so much, Larry, giving us a weather update for New York. So, yeah, I was looking for my other glasses this morning. I couldn't find them. I thought to myself, where did I put those? I was up until one o'clock last night. So maybe I don't know where I put them. Normally I put glasses on the on the bed stand, um, the nightstand in my daughter's room. And then I couldn't find them last, this morning, so I'm gonna have to look for them. But it helps, like I said, to have a second pair. This pair, everybody likes when I put these on because these are nice and colorful. I think the other ones are more of a square shape. These are a little bit different. People always compliment me when I wear these glasses anyway. Um, the hair is a little bit crazy this morning. You probably can't see it that much, but big shout out to Rocio who fixed it up for me yesterday so that I could not look crazy when I went to the Ritz grand opening. And so this morning I just pulled out the hairpins and kind of have bedhead. Uh, good morning to Miss Joy. Larry sending his morning greetings to um, 
Blake and Aaron requesting Blue Christmas by Elvis. So Tracy, good morning, coming out to Rackham's at 6 p.m. Santa and his underwater reindeer. Underwater reindeer. Hmm. George Sunny Shores, pictures of Santa, raffle tickets. Okay. Marshall, good morning. Benilda, good morning to you. How are you? Lily Boo, good morning. Um, by the way, uh, Lily Boo, I saw recently on your, and I've been meaning to reach out to you, on your Facebook page that your mom had passed away. So I wanted to uh, personally extend my condolences um, for your loss. I was so sad to hear that. So I hope that you guys are doing okay. And I'm not sure if you'll be able to travel home for the service, but yeah, safe travels if you are able to make it. Uh, Miss Bonnie joining us from East End. Hot. Your name is Hot? Hello, Hot. <laughs> Good morning. Alice, uh, how are you feeling, my love? Alice had surgery almost a week ago, so I'm sure she's still very much in recovery mode. Hopefully the pain isn't too bad. Uh, Tracy, okay. I think, Tracy, I messaged you on both WhatsApp and... Um, and... Uh, Facebook. Um, so... WhatsApp is normally better for me in terms of messaging if you want a, a response. Good morning, Miss Ruby. So we're back to our regular um, YouTube channel, by the way. So hello to everyone. We've got 22 people on there who are watching this morning. Uh, Lisette, good morning. Chantelle is here. Al, hey, Al. It was good seeing you. I haven't seen Al in person, I feel like, during the entire pandemic. So probably a couple of years. So yeah, it was definitely good to see you last night as well. Um, Al paid me the best compliment ever. He said, oh, you look like you're still wearing your filter like in person. I thought, oh, that's so cute because I feel like the filter, <laughs> the filter makes my life easier. And then I get up in the morning, I don't have to, you know, obviously I'm still like moisturizing and washing my face. And by the way, I've been using this new avocado moisturizer. I'm going to tell you guys about it later because I feel like it's really making my skin a little bit extra soft. Um, and yeah, I was like, oh, Al, you're so sweet. So thank you. Um, so we're going to talk about the grand opening. I'll tell you guys a few thoughts. The re-grand opening for the Ritz. And uh, Cecil, good morning. How are you? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And Dana is with us. So before we get boggled down by Omicron and that whole situation... Uh, let us talk about the Ritz re-grand opening. So the Ritz undertook a multi-million dollar project um, and renovation project. And, you know, they, they had said that they'd always intended, we got a tour, big shout out as well to the Minister of Tourism and Transport. Uh, he asked, actually asked the tour guide if I could join, because as you guys know, it's live streaming the event if I could join um, the tour guide that was doing the one for the government officials, because apparently she was selected because she knows the most about um, all of the elements that were really used in the renovation. And so uh, later on speaking to some of the managers, like the sales and marketing people um, at the Ritz, they were like, you know, she's like really great with, you know, she's done a lot of research and they felt confident and her ability to translate and to convey 
what they were trying to do. <clears throat> so um, I appreciate the minister thinking of me and by extension thinking of you all because, you know, I was live streaming it and uh, we all got to then participate and to see everything really, I thought. So this is a massive, massive undertaking without a doubt. I mean, listen, have you ever tried even like doing a little bit of renovation at home and you do like one room or one little project? You guys know how crazy um, it can be, right? Michelle, I've been doing a blinds project. That's nothing major except we have too many windows. So it's like, it's taken me over a year to be able to afford the windows. Like, you know, and I've been doing it piecemeal. So I'm now down to my last two windows finally. Um, but, you know, listen, renovations take time and uh, they seem to put a lot of effort into what they did at the Ritz. So, for example, um, you know, I hope you guys can watch the video. I'm just going to pull it up here so I can refresh my memory a little bit. But they have done um, carpets, artwork, um, the wall covering, ceiling, window framing. And the theme, apparently, what they have done is every Ritz property is trying to be unique and different. So obviously the Ritz is a, I don't know if franchise is the right word, but it could be. It's a franchise brand. So their Ritz property is like all over the world. And I suppose there's some commonalities in terms of how the franchise is operated, but they're going for a uniqueness within each jurisdiction. So essentially what they did with the Cayman Islands property is they really took her silver thatch and her palm and made that a continued theme throughout the renovation process. So everything from the carpeting, um, good morning, Minister Brian. I was just saying thank you so much for allowing uh, us to join your tour group and um, share in the expert knowledge of the young lady who was able to provide us with um, so much detailed information. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to fast forward. I've got this muted. But here's the river cutting. Now, it would be a miss of me to not have a moment where we all chuckle at something here. So if you haven't seen it yet, you must go see it because there's a point when um, Dwayne Seymour, John John, walked in and um, he sat down and Mark, what's Mark's last name again? Vander, Vandenberg, I don't know. But um, he's the general manager at the Ritz, and he made a little, little, little foo-foo, <laughs> I mean, but it certainly made us laugh, and then, you know, um, somebody said to me, oh, go easy on him, Sandy, go easy on him, and you know me, I was like raising my eyebrow, like, okay, it was funny, but then part of me was like, dude, do you not know what the different ministers look like, <laughs> like, seriously, um, so he acknowledged the uh, minister, except he got the wrong person. He thought that uh, Mr. Seymour, let me see if I can find it. I'll see if I can find almost the exact spot that it happened. Let me see. The volume is a little bit low on this right now, but um, so John John walked in. Yeah, it was right before this.
Yeah, so he actually thought when um, John John walked in and he walked to the front and sat down, he actually thought that John John was the um, deputy premier and he acknowledged him as the deputy premier. And then um, I don't know, somebody said something to him up front, but then he was like, oops, oh no, that's uh, John John. So I thought, mm, okay. Um, I suppose these things can happen. I don't think John John and Mr. Chris Saunders really look anything like. They're both stocky, though, to be fair to Mark. They do have a stocky build, but they don't really look anything alike. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, we won't go too hard on him on that point. But it, it was a moment of a little bit of comic relief. And um, I think a lot of the audience members, like I could see some of them who, because there were people standing, I was standing a ways back as well, but there were people standing and people behind me. And I could see people looking at me, like literally the second he did it, they're like, oh shit, <laughs> oh, CMR is here. Um, so it was a little bit of, of an interesting moment. But anyway, um, and the other interesting thing is, man, we have some super fans all over the place. Can I tell you? There was a lady, beautiful lady, actually, in a black dress. And um, she had on her really nice black mask that was like, it had like sequins and whatever on it. And she's like, oh my gosh, it's you. Like sometimes I'm wearing, you know, when you wear a mask, people don't recognize you or you look a little bit different. So she didn't necessarily recognize me, but then she heard my voice. And I guess I can't hide. Listen, I definitely can't be in the business of crank calling anybody. Remember the day when sometimes you'd crank call someone like you called your friend's house and you pretend to be somebody else? Like I could never get away with that because everybody would be like, oh yeah, that was definitely Sandy's voice. So when she heard my voice, she's like, oh my God, it's you. I, I feel like I want to take a selfie. And then there was another mom. Big shout out to Alric. Alric was there as well. Um, Al, Nobi, you know, Caymanians were there. Caymanian artists um, were invited because a lot of their artwork has been used throughout the Ritz property. Um, there was also um, the Chalettes. So, um, oh gosh, what's, what's her name? Um, oh, I always forget her name. Uh, Alva's sister, um, Nasaria. Suku Chalette and her husband were both there. And as you know, they're both artists. And yeah, it was good to see some Caymanian faces in the group for sure. So there's a lady who works at the Ritz and she, she actually gave me her card. I can't remember her name right now. But anyway, um, she's like, oh my God, my kids love listening to you in the morning on the way on the drive time. So they only get a snippet, obviously, of the show on 106. And I thought that was interesting because, as you guys know, we're planning, if all goes well, to be on radio come February. So I'm going to be talking a bit more about that here in due course. But, yes, CMR is going to be on the radio channel. Um, and then she said to me, oh, my kids would be so jealous if I got a photo with you. So we did the whole photo thing. And, yeah, it was a good event. So I'm just going to fast forward through a couple um, things here. And uh, this was the actual ribbon-cutting ribbon segment of the ceremony. So we have, um, who was the guy that was next to you, Kenneth? Um, the other guy, was he, I, I didn't quite hear his name, but it was uh, the minister and then this other guy here. Um, I don't know if he's a manager at this specific property or is he part of the bigger franchise, but they were the ones who actually cut the ribbon. And so... Once that happened, then everybody was able to uh, walk inside. So they had guided tours 
for individuals. Um, <clears throat> you're welcome, Alice. And so they've done a lot. And I think you kind of, you'd have to really pay attention to design to see what they've done. So they've done a lot of interesting color palettes. So Mark V, no, the other guy. Mark V is the one with the jacket on. Who is the one, the other guy who's cutting the ribbon with you? Is his name Mark too? Um, the one with the white, the white shirt. Oh, he's a dart guy. Okay, all right. As you guys know, dart owns the Ritz, right? Uh, <clears throat> so they've done a lot of interesting things with the color palettes um, inside of the property. So in this uh, little frame here, you'll see, for example, over to the right, like all the columns and the trim and the work on the wall, that's actually, it almost looks gray, but it is actually a dark blue color. And so she was explaining that the reason why they chose that color was because it was um, an element of trying to pull in. See all of this? This is actually a dark blue. Yeah. Now you can, depending on the lighting, you can see it a little bit better. But she um, was explaining that that was an attempt to pull in the dark blue elements of the ocean. So it was pretty interesting how they have really, oh, that's another Mark. Mark L is from the Ritz. Oh gosh, two Marks. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, Mark V. Hmm, okay. Um, my washer show that is only okay. So Lucille says, Good morning, uh, Sandra. I don't know if I know you in person, but I watch your show, and that's the only way the only way I know what's going on at home. God bless you. Take care. I love you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and that's that's why we will live stream a lot of these events, because especially during COVID times, I'm well aware that you can't get out um, as much as, you know, a lot of people would like to. And then sometimes, let's be honest, they can only invite so many people to an event like this. So sometimes you just don't get an invite and it is an invite only kind of chinding, right? And so if we're fortunate enough to get an invite, uh, we make sure we show up. You know, sometimes I, I'm like, mm, eh, I can't be bothered. I'll go pick up Gianna and just go home. And I have to really consciously tell myself, listen, you didn't get in the space of media and content production for nothing, right? You got in the space to be able to inform people of what's happening in the community. So sometimes on a personal level, I'm a little bit of a hermit crab. Like I just want to stay home and stay in my little hole uh, and just come on live and talk about whatever. But how am I going to talk about these things if I'm not there? <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? So there are times when I have to remind myself to get out of um, my comfort zone and um, really, you know, go out, mingle with people, socialize with people and all that sort of stuff. So it's a necessary component of the job. So here we have um, this young lady in the blue. I feel like she gave me her card as well. Really nice young lady. She said she'd be listening to the show this morning. She's like, oh, I love your show. She's like, you're very... Um, what was the word that she used? Um, there's a specific word that she used that kind of stood out in my mind. Not bold, but basically that's what she was saying. And she's like, you know, you're really engaging. And um, she's like, I love most of what you do. And she mentioned one thing um, that was, you know, she was a little bit upset about. But listen, no one is going to love everything that's done here at CMR. It's just the way of, of how it is. Um, and what I find that sometimes gets people upset is when we have to cover the tough topics, like when someone has died, 
or something like that, or there's been an accident. And I get that because that's like very, a very emotional time for people. So um, I understood exactly where she was coming from when she mentioned, because she did mention um, it was an incident where one of their Ritz co-workers actually got ran over. Remember that young lady? Still no updates on what's going on with that case, which is a little bit crazy. Um, and she said, you know, she was a little bit upset by, you know, the coverage. And I said, mm, okay. Um, <clears throat> so, yep, it was an opportunity for a lot of people to come out. Big shout out to the minister, actually. Just back up here a second. I don't know if you guys see this. But uh, Minister Brian, can I just thank you? for always taking your daughters um, with you whenever you can to these events. Uh, number one, we have to remember that Kenneth, um, the Minister of Tourism and Transport is a father first and foremost, that's his most important job, but he's also a minister and he's an MP and he takes his two girls. And you know what? I don't even know their names. I need to find out what their names are. He takes his two girls. I always see them with him. Um, they're there, you know? And I think that's important because it teaches them a little bit about what he does. Um, they seem like they're a bit quiet and reserved, but they're always there with him. Uh, they get to see what daddy does. And I think that that's important. So it's not, you know, daddy, this was a lady here that I was telling you guys about who's like a super fan, this little lady here in the back. Um, did you guys just see her? She shows up here with her sequence mask in a second. There she is. And she's like, it's you. Oh my gosh. Hello, my yeah, no, there, there she is. I don't even know who she is. But anyway, really beautiful lady. Um, so, yes, I mean, I love that Kenneth um, takes, especially girls, you know, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'll take the boys and they kind of leave the girls behind. But I think it's so important for um, young ladies to know, you know, how to conduct themselves <clears throat> at different functions. And the only way you really learn is if you get experience and you get to go. So I love to see him. Uh, they've been to the airport with him whenever he goes to welcome new planes in, which, by the way, there's a couple coming in today and tomorrow. Um, and I get they're probably are they going to be in school, Kenneth? Um, they're probably in school. But whenever they're free, you know, they accompany him to a lot of this stuff. And I think that that's fantastic. During the Miss uh, Universe pageant, you know, one of the questions was about, you know, how do we empower young girls and women and you know one of the ways in which you empower um i think any young person is to give them a lot of experiences early on in life to be involved in different things involved in different situations right uh that's extremely important so they have an opportunity to see you know what what dad um does for a living did i not even send out my um, my apologies to my whatsapp people this morning I, I typed it and then didn't hit the send button. So let me do that now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I just love that he does that. I just really, really love seeing him with his girls. Like I said, that's his most important job. There's Gary, by the way, from DOT. Big shout out to Gary. Um, good to see you last night as well. I didn't have a minute at all to chat to him. Um, but yeah, so she gave us a lot of information. I'm just going to fast forward it. So this was the beginning of the tour. And then uh, the minister said, we got to get Sandy in on our group. And so um, everything from, you see the thatch in the background of um, the reception area. Obviously, they put in, uh, in their design, some COVID protection elements. So you see the plexiglass uh, behind her and stuff as well. You know, we're going to have to live with COVID now. Is Kyle, Kyle, 
I, I always get his name wrong. Is he listening to the program this morning? Because I got a bone to pick with him. Um, he's claiming that I'm um, so comfortable because I'm a patent government with COVID. And I'm just like, dude, he made a comment. We're, we'll talk about that when we start talking about Omicron. And uh, I said, you do know that we're all in the same boat, right? I mean, does everybody not get this? And everybody responds to stress differently. And honestly, for me, even being able to engage with people a little bit and go out to an event helps my stress levels. Um, he's been traveling. I haven't even been anywhere. So I don't know what he's complaining about, but he's been traveling and whatever. Now, this is the minister helping me put on a lapel mic on this young lady. Uh, you know, I'm so thankful to Minister Brian because he must remember being in the space of media and some of the unique challenges and stuff. So I wanted to make sure that I could hear her. And so there he is assisting me with, um, it was a little bit tight because it was actually a new lapel mic that I pulled out of the wrapping. Um, so he was very useful in, in helping me get that on. Um, so there you go. Yeah, perfect. Now we can actually hear her properly, which is perfect for the tour. So, and I can't actually hear her at all which is so weird because I'm standing right in front of her. So I monitor the comments because that's how I know from you all um, whether or not she can actually be heard. So as long as y'all aren't complaining, we can't hear her, Sandy, then I know she can be heard. Uh, you guys know the challenges of live streaming and getting audio just right. So um, she had the mic and since she was going to be doing all the talking, that was perfectly fine. So yeah, so lots of uh, really, really interesting elements. So even the little, you know, to most people, it's like, oh, not a big deal. Seating area, local um, florist uh, celebrations did the centerpieces here. Um, so, you know, it's meant to be an experience. Listen to me. You don't um, go to property like the Ritz and pay Ritz kind of money and not expect to see the best of the best. You know, it's so interesting, I think, how sometimes people think of tourism products and even we talk about the fact that we're trying to attract a certain caliber of visitor who is happy to spend their money. They make it and they want to spend it. And, you know, we would rather have those people than a million of the people who are only going to spend $5 and looking to share a burger when they come here because they can't even afford a cheeseburger. So if you are going to, um, you know, attract those types of individuals, you have to have things in your property, not just the name, but the name is important. You know, one of the interesting things that I learned recently is that when it comes to tracking high-end tourists, the fact that we have um, very few name, uh, like high-end name properties has been detrimental to us. Now, this is a very interesting thing. Uh, you know, they do surveys in terms of the tourism market. And with those surveys, they learn that people will come here and spend money if they can go to a property like the Ritz. The Kimpton is a less known brand, a less known name. But all of these high-end names bring people in just because of the name. So I was having this conversation with some um, industry experts, and they were saying, for example, um, you know, when you talk about a Sandals property, Everybody understands what a Sandals property brings and they know about the Sandals property. And a lot of these chains, um, especially the high-end chains, they set aside an entire budget to market their properties. So when Sandals 
markets, you know, the Sandals property, that is marketing for Jamaica. So that's less money that DOT has to spend or whatever their department of tourism is called, that they have to spend on um, actually marketing the country. Because by extension of marketing the product, they're also marketing the country. Because if you want to go to Sandals, you know, well, there's only certain places where I can find a Sandals. And so that is really, really important. So, you know, when you want to go to the Ritz, folks, uh, you're going to look at the jurisdictions that have a Ritz property and you want to see all of these wonderful um, details. So from the lighting to even the arch windows, um, the detail and the seats, the carpet you saw earlier that the minister was touching the carpet, everything has been chosen for a very specific reason, design-wise, and everything has to flow. So like these lights here are a continuation um, of the design uh, theme, right? So there's an overarching theme and why certain pieces of artwork were chosen, why certain furniture pieces were custom-made or chosen for different areas. And um, here she's talking about the arch windows and you know why it was important for lighting purposes and probably even just a little bit of airflow. I'm sure sometimes they do open those up and let a little bit of the Caribbean breeze off of the uh, the water there come in. But, you know, all the tables and where do they come from and why they chose them. And there's a piece of furniture here, like a, um, a bit of a, I don't know if it's an armoire or what you officially call it, but, you know, that was custom built for that space to fit there. And they tried to use uh, as much local talent as they could, both in some of the artwork and some of the design pieces but they really put a lot of thought into this, I must say. Um, my friend Kevin, I hadn't really thought about him, but he probably would have really enjoyed this tour because he loves um, design. And he should be. He used to quit his banking job. Kevin, you listen to me. Quit Scotia and become a designer because that's his real love and that's his real passion. And I think eventually he'll get there. But, you know, he would he would love, I mean, look at the blue walls and this, this um, thatch theme painting and stuff. So they use all um, local artists on island to do the artwork. And so, yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. Here's that custom piece that I was telling you guys about that was built by a local furniture maker. Uh, so they tried to utilize people on island as much as possible. Now there's just gingerbread house. When I saw this, I thought, oh my God, if Gigi was here, she'd be like, oh my God, a real live gingerbread house. <laughs> she would have loved that. Um, but we did, there was, um, so she, she took time and explained a lot of the artwork, actually. And there was one piece to be passed. Oh, right. Yes. So look at this stuff on the wall, you guys. These are actually coconuts. And at first, I had no clue what they were. So I'm looking at it going, what the hell? What are these little pods? They're coconuts. Um, they're designed to be like coconuts. But here's the crazy thing. You know what that is actually from? Listen, they took the um, arc, the arch that we had at the old airport. Remember, that was like, in my opinion, iconic. And I think a lot of people didn't want to see that go. They actually took that and repurposed it and built these coconuts out of that wood. Isn't that amazing? And so there's the guy there. You can actually see the artist. He's um, right there. You just saw the top of his head. But he's actually right there. But isn't that beautiful? I thought to myself, oh, my God, that is just absolutely innovative, first of all, to even think of that. I mean, I have an appreciation for artists and what they do because 
I just think they're so amazing and they're so talented, right? How they can see, they can have a vision and actually produce stuff um, that a lot of times we don't even see. We need to explain to us, like, what is this? But yeah, that's that's what they did. And I thought, wow, this was really, um, really, really quite impressive. So there's the minister taking a little bit of a closer look. And um, yeah, that's the artist right there in the kind of bluish shirt. So that was interesting. Um, again, this is an artist in East End, and she was talking about some of the themes for her. Uh, she likes to keep a local theme of the fishermen, you know, line fishing, like in the mangroves or whatever. So folks, take an opportunity if you can, um, you know, the carpet, the lights, like everything was selected with purpose. And when it comes to design, the rooms, um, you know, this is, I guess, an average suite or an average room felt very, very comfortable. They felt spacious. Um, you know, they just picked, again, from carpet straight up to the post bed, everything was done with a purpose. So this is all great. The property looks beautiful. Uh, we walked, you know, throughout the property. So they have, I, there was even a guy there still painting when we went out um, to the gallery section. He was still there painting, um, you know, some of the trims and whatever. So they're continuing to put the finishing touches on the property, uh, but it really is um, an amazing property. This, by the way, is Gordon Solomon's work. Now look at Gordon on display. So he's got several pieces there at the gallery. I know Al Ebanks has several pieces as well. Gordon is an amazing, him and his wife Alta are amazing artists. And you guys might not know this, but I used to work with Gordon back in the day at Maples. That's how I met Gordon. And, you know, he's working a regular job and trying to get his um, artistic career off the ground. And then many years after that, when I left Maples and I started my own business in West Bay, um, I begged him to come and do a wall mural for me. And I wish I had a picture of that. I need to go there and take a picture. But he did the wall mural um, in Centennial Towers that was like a seascape of a stingray. It was kind of like it caught a little bit of the ocean underneath. So you saw the stingray under the ocean and then the horizon and then the sky and whatever. Beautiful. I mean, it's a huge wall. And he came and painted that for me and did it for almost little or nothing, to be honest. And I just wanted... That was my training room and I wanted an element of the island. So when you walk in there, you just felt such a common effect looking at that wall. And that's what I wanted um, in my training in, in computer lab. And he came and did that for me way back in the day. He now is obviously living in the back with his family. But, um, you know, Gordon is just amazing. He is absolutely amazing. I think all of our local talent, Al, Gordon, you know, others are just so amazing um, in what they do. So... Uh, funny enough, when you're listening to the video and at the beginning, when we looked at the first piece of art, um, it turns out that the minister, um, the, that particular artist, he knows his father because his father works in the ministry, uh, Mr. Jackson. So, you know, we're all so interconnected in so many different ways. And sometimes we, we don't even know the talent that people have within their families and so forth, right? So it's just amazing to get to see that on display, I think, at the Ritz. I'm glad that they're using a lot of local artists um, as well. And the minister said at that point, by the way, is uh, is Al Ebanks, do you have any of Al's art here? And now she wasn't sure. I don't think she knew who Al was um, because the minister was like, listen, he's one of my people. So I, I, I better be seeing some artwork from him up in here. Minister, I'm happy to tell you Al was obviously there. 
And he actually shared that the Ritz has purchased his property, his uh, pieces from day one with the original uh, opening of the property. They had pieces from Al there. So um, even the musicians I have on my phone, I'm going to put this up a little bit later on, but the musicians were, um, are they high tide? I always get my names mixed up, but uh, they were saying to me last night that the musicians were actually there at the original opening back in 2003 of the Ritz. And of course they had the same band uh, there last night as well performing. And so I do have a video, you know, our, our IG people always get left out just a little bit with some of the things that we do. So I took some footage to post up on IG so that they can see that I'm just downloading it now that I'm remembering on the phone, but yes. Um, and then they do this whole thing where you walk down the hall and the staff stand on either side. And basically they just give you a big round of applause and, um, it's like a big hooray and cheering moment. We, we kept hearing it and we we're like, what's going on? What's all this cheering all about? So that's pretty cool. Uh, so let's talk about what all of you really want to know in relation to this property. So this is the ballroom, which a lot of us have been in for various functions, dinners and projects. And every inquiring minds want to know. Everybody's like, great. The property looks beautiful. Everything looks fantastic. You know, it's really a beautiful property. But... If I go to the Ritz, will I see, this is the art gallery tour, by the way. So lots of, um, lots of pieces on display. And um, the Christian young man, what's his, what's his first name? He runs the art gallery for them. And he is a Caymanian. Oh my gosh. I loved, I don't know who did this, but I loved this painting. I thought to myself, I wonder how much this painting is. I would buy it like this. I would have in my house. This was legit, like really beautiful coat of arms tattoo on the back, but the details and like the wrinkled ankles and the wrists, the hands. I mean, this was such an amazing piece of art. Even the thatch hat, I feel like I could like literally touch it and it was real. So everybody wants to know, great, the property looks fantastic, but honestly, um, does this, see the little guy there painting there, Sunny about, he's still painting a wall. Does this really benefit the people of the Cayman Islands? So that's the million dollar, uh, question, right? How much does it um, benefit the people of Cayman Islands? And when it would it actually benefit them in terms of job opportunities? So we know the economic value of having a property like the Ritz at our disposal. Obviously, that's important. They bring money here, and that money gets circulated in the economy. Uh, just by having the property here, people are, you know, making reservations, their local vendors that they will use for a number of, um, of their different, you know, services that they have on offer, et cetera, et cetera. But people want to know about jobs. So I see your questions and trust me, I completely understand your sentiment. So what about the hiring of Caymanians and, you know, is that going to be a real reality? And what I would say is, I think that this minister in particular has made it very, very clear that, you know, uh, in terms of our industry partners, we are all here for supporting the tourism industry, supporting the tourism sector. But everyone has to understand that the reason why the government would be investing in tourism and trying to build this product 
is because Caymanians have to be at the forefront. We have to be the face of, of the tourism industry, right? Caymanians have to be presented with these opportunities. Now, this is a double-edged sword. This cuts both ways. And I've seen both sides of this. So I've seen the companies that genuinely um, probably could care less if Caymanians, that was the end of the video there, if Caymanians are um, working at their properties or not. And then I've seen other companies who really go to great lengths to um, ensure that, you know, Caymanians have a fair chance at uh, training opportunities and working on the properties and so on. I think that we all have a responsibility to do our part. So there's an expectation the government has to put the necessary pressure and systems in place to ensure that Caymanians can go into the workplace and take up job opportunities. At the same time, Caymanians also have a role to play because I have heard the numerous stories and I've seen situations where Caymanians are less than capable of um, going in there and doing what they need to do. Some Caymanians. And that reflects poorly on everybody. And it almost doesn't matter how many people that is. So, you know, we had the job fair last week. I thought the job fair was relatively successful. And I did look at some people at the job fair, knowing what I know and knowing their history. I thought to myself, hmm, let's see how long they keep this job. Because mind you, they've had about 30 jobs that I know about. Now, you can't have had 30 jobs and blame every single employer and they're the problem. At some point, you have to recognize that there are some of us who are less than desirable when it comes to employability for different reasons. We don't want to show up to work. We don't want to do the work if we show up. We don't want to show up on time. We want to act like we own the businesses and we're going to be making the rules. And so there's a lot of factors I find that go into having an employee with the right kind of attitude. So, you know, here on this show, we're always hard on employers. And I get it. I get the role that they play in some of the stuff that they can do. But I also know that a lot of y'all are not really stepping up to the plate. Some of you don't even want to show up to the job fair. I hear the excuses, well, they're not going to hire me anyway. And I said, well... This government is trying a different approach. So if you don't even show up, how do you know what the outcome is going to be? How about you stop complaining, pull up your big girl panties and get out to the job fair and see what happens. You know, you'd rather be a backseat driver and just complain about everything as opposed to adjusting your attitude and getting out there and trying your luck. Maybe you just haven't found after job number 35 the right fit. And maybe this is finally the right fit. Mm, I don't know. But I'm saying you have to keep trying. And believe me when I tell you, I understand the realities of it because, you know, I've got some family members who work in the tourism industry. And I hear some of the shenanigans that are going on from both ends. So I hear when they're being mistreated, when stuff isn't going right. And then I also know why they're getting fired from their jobs the stuff that they're doing to get fired. And sometimes they're on the job for years and then they do stuff that's like, why would you do that? So let's be honest here. Um, some of us are just not, you know, packaged quite right for anybody to want to hire. Cause I'm telling you, I saw people at the job fair who I wouldn't hire in a million years. You couldn't pay me to hire them. Cause it would be like, 
why? <laughs> why am I why am I gonna give this person money when after two, three days they're not even gonna show up to work? Or they're gonna come in with an attitude or they're gonna be sloppy or they're gonna, and, you know, let's be honest, when you look at certain properties, um, like the Ritz, they do have a certain standard that they're trying to maintain. Certain standard of service, how you address people, how you speak to people, your your dress code, your demeanor, like all of these things matter. So uh, the Department of Tourism is offering a number of courses, folks, that are geared towards um, helping your people. And we're going to be talking about the front of house um, training courses that they have coming up. I was speaking to my friend, um, Mr. Dilbert there, uh, you know, they own the property on Cayman Brack and I feel like he owns, um, what's the distillery called this again, Nelson. And then he was also saying to me that they've, um, redone cause he, he's doing the management of the restaurant there at Pedro. And they've recently re redone that with a whole new theme. And I thought, Oh, you know, I'm going to go out there. I love going to, to tourist, um, destinations like Pedro and turtle farm and, just seeing like what's there and what's available. Um, and also the type of service that you get, you know? And listen to me, I have seen, I've been in certain environments, so I don't really, I'm not huge into staycations. During the pandemic, the only staycation I did with, was with Nelson um, at the Alexander in the Brock. And trust me, I always get excellent service there. I felt a little bit perturbed about doing staycations with other properties from Grand Cayman because I knew what was coming down the pipeline once the industry um, or the island started to reopen and exactly said is exactly what is now happening is those properties are like, nope, no more local rates, no more staycations, forget y'all. You helped us keep afloat a little bit during the pandemic, but now we want the tourist dollar because of course the tourist dollar is so much more than what they were doing their staycations for. But I think that there is a balance that can be struck between people who want to do a staycation and accommodating your overseas visitors, right? But yeah, some of these properties gone up to like $1,000 a night. You're not staying there for less than that now. Um, so, you know, I enjoy going to these different venues because I like to really pay attention and to observe um, what people are doing in terms of even the delivery of service. If I order a drink, how long does it take my drink to arrive? You know, all of these things are extremely important at uh, the level of service that you get. The other day, my aunt was saying to me, big shout out to Adonia Barnes. She was saying to me, um, you know, when you, she said, maybe you get a different type of service because of who you are. And people know, oh my God, it's Sandy from CMR. We better really treat her good. Um, maybe sometimes that happens. But I feel like a lot of times, sometimes I go places, people have no clue who I am. Especially, like I said, if I don't open my voice because they don't, you know, put the face and whatever together. And I'm the type of person who I, you know, get the concept of being a, in the States, we call them secret shoppers. Um, I used to work in retail. And I know that they purposely send people out to come into your store. You know, I was an assistant store manager in retail. That's how I helped pay for university. And those people uh, would come out and really, um, you know, critique you and what you were delivering and then send feedback to head office. And if you were not up to scruff, it just wasn't your sales numbers. But if you were not providing a certain level of customer service, you didn't know your product, you, you know, 
you're going to be out the door. There's a restaurant that um, I frequent with a friend of mine, Miss Irma. And every time we go to this restaurant, there was this one waiter who I swear he never knew the menu. We're like, okay, what are the specials today? Oh, let me go and check. I'm like, dude, we come in here at least once a week. Is it too much to ask that once we come in here and you actually know what, what's, what the specials are? Uh, as you come on your shift, you're supposed to figure out what the specials are. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. You know, bar, being a bartender or being a waiter or waitress isn't just about grabbing a plate of food at the kitchen and putting it on somebody's table. There's more to it. Caymanians are more than capable. The question is how many are actually willing to put in the work? So Ms. Brenda says, um, Sandals hire the people from whichever island they're located. They're smart enough to know what and whom sells their brand. More importantly, these islands don't allow outsiders to replace their people and leave the visitors with the impression that there's no native islanders left on the respective islands. Buenos dias to Ms. Alba. Uh, Ms. Brenda also says that Al is also a great artist. Yes, he is. He did a lovely piece for Georgetown uh, back in 2003 for the Quincentennial Celebration. Now, um, Al, I meant to ask you this last night. I know you do photography. I know you do um, artwork. Do you do sculptures as well? Like, I feel like I've seen you do some sculpture work also. Um, yeah, Al is very, very uh, talented. Big shout out to Nobi. Nobi was there last night. Um, Nobi from East End. He's my aunt's nephew, uh, which means that he actually technically isn't related to me. But, you know, I still kind of see um, like extended cousins and stuff like that. Um, so Nobi was there and I had a joke with Nobi because only recently did I know that Nobi had a photography um, business because I didn't know. And so I, I used one of his pictures for um, some guy that was showing up in court. And so apparently Nobi reached out and he was like, oh, that's my picture. And I said, I'm sorry, I had no clue. I didn't even know you were doing photography. Um, and he was like, yes, well, I'm only the, the island's best photographer. I was like, Nobi, please. If I've never heard of you before, and probably most people haven't, have you really reached that level? To be fair to Nobi, I actually do enjoy his, um, I looked at his page and um, I forget what his page is called now, but um, he had he had some nice things on display. It's called uh, Naya Man Photography. You guys can find him, I think on Instagram. And so, um, yes, he, uh, you know, he's gotten into the space of photography. Now, Nobi's a little bit of an enigma in the sense that um, his professional training is, is an accountancy. And here he's found himself working in tourism, setting up his own uh, business. I think he has an Airbnb as well as he does like bicycle tours out in the Eastern districts, which people love. He was talking about that last night. But guess what? You know what Nobi said? He said, Sandy, I want to hire my own EastEnders, my own people. But you know the difficulty I have in that? is if a uh, tourist books a tour at six o'clock in the morning, I have found I'm hiring locals and they don't show up at six o'clock in the morning. They wanna show up at 7.30. And my the people who are paying me, who keep my business in business and who are gonna go on all these websites and write recommendations and reviews on my little business, if they say they're coming at six o'clock, they're coming at six o'clock. So we can't be on Cayman time. 
And I had a chuckle because right away my mind went to the whole situation and came and back. Oh, we want to be laid back. We don't want to watch the clock. We don't want to, you know, you can live that sort of existence, but you have to understand that the caliber of clientele that you will attract is completely uh, probably not going to be very many people, first of all, from the European, not, not the European, but the North American market. 80 something percent of our market comes from North America, US and Canada. You know, they tend to be a little bit more punctual. Yes, when you're in vacation, give or take a few minutes. But if somebody says, I want to do a tour at six o'clock in the morning, that means they're probably trying to beat that sun, put on just a little bit of sunscreen, and they want to get out and do their little bike ride and be back in time for breakfast. And nobody was even saying that one of the difficulties in the Eastern districts is that there's no one providing any options for like breakfast in the morning. So after they do their bike tour, or maybe even sometimes during the bike tour, they'd like to be able to pull off and sit at a local venue and have some breakfast. And that just isn't there. So I thought to myself, East End people, can somebody open up a little breakfast nook? where you can get some local Caribbean style breakfast in the mornings or something, a bagel, something for people. And so what you find happening is a lot of times when they go into properties like the Ritz and other high-end properties, they don't have to worry about any of that. The Ritz will take care of everything for them. Y'all need to pay attention to how this works. So that's why the Ritz is going to book people. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to book this company because we have a history with them and we know that they're going to deliver quality of service, timeliness, all these things matter. So all I have to say in the whole tourism thing, and we're going to continue to have this conversation, is we cannot have it both ways. We cannot be demanding jobs. Um, and then we ourselves are not stepping up to the plate and doing what we need to do to deliver the level of service that your clients expect. When you're in business, I love how people have this concept. Well, I work for myself. No, you don't. Take it from me. I'm a small business owner. I just had one of my clients just message me just now about an issue. And you guys don't know, but I took the time to resolve it while I'm talking to you. Right? Because I know exactly what the issue is. And it's a quick fix. I don't work for myself. I work for my customers. They're the ones who pay my bills. So when my customers message me, I had another young lady the other night. I had to resolve something with her. Um, and it took her a while to get back to me. It was kind of late at night when we finally did it. And she said, I'm sorry, I have to message you this late. Like, what's a good time normally to message you? And I said, well, you know, if it's urgent, just message me anytime. Because if you have a situation and it needs to be uh, resolved, then, you know, you need to know that you can, you can reach me. And if I'm up and I'm looking at my WhatsApp messages, then certainly it will get resolved. And that is how, that's how I operate. You know, she says, um, let me know the time of preference to reach out. Cause I know it's a bit late. This was at 10 08, little bit, you know, child, I'm up to one o'clock most mornings. So I was like, um, I basically said, you know, evenings are fine if it's not urgent. Um, but you know, if you need help, you need help and you message. Cause I work for my clients. I don't work for myself. When people say, oh, I work for myself. It's like, they're saying it because they think they can set their own hours and they can do whatever they want. Well, you might have some, depending on what business you're in, you might have some ability to obviously make decisions and how you're going to run and operate your business. But if your business is customer centric and customer focused, uh, they're the people that you work for and that's who you answer to. 
So Ms. Brenda says she doesn't agree that people should have to go to job fairs to get employed. What happened to honest, transparent job advertising, applications and interviews, hence hiring? People are right. It uh, doesn't make sense to go out there in the chaos and still being ignored and passed over. Well, I will have to disagree with you, Ms. Brenda. I think job fairs are useful for a number of different things. Um, first of all, one of the benefits of a job fair is it allows people, the way in which they're organized, it is, uh, allows multiple companies to get together at a single event. And it allows multiple candidates to come through and talk to different companies. And sometimes you want that face-to-face -face even before you get to a formal or proper interview. So what I know, and we'll get some numbers from DOT the other day, is that um, there were people actually being hired on the spot. I heard over 30-something people were hired on the spot from a job fair. It, a job fair makes it easier, in my opinion, for an employer to also make a decision, right? Because a person can look fantastic on paper. And then you see them in person, you see their demeanor, you invite them to an interview, you waste an hour of your time because they ain't caliber material, not at all. They're not hireable. When they come through a job fair and you sit down with them, you talk about the experience, you ask them questions. You know what they say about first impressions? First impressions are lasting impressions. And folks, there are seven things that people will, um, will learn about you or seven impressions that people get from you uh, through first impressions. And trust me, you know, when I tell you that that is so incredibly important, you wouldn't believe me if I told you how important first impressions are. And you get to make a first impression like in a real and meaningful way at a job fair as opposed to just being another sheet of paper. So I think that job fairs are proven to be extremely useful. And first impressions are so incredibly powerful. I mean, it is amazing. Even when you're in business for yourself, the first impression that you make to your clients is, is very, very significant. So you go out of your way to know that there's at least seven things that people determine about you when it comes to making a first good impression. And that's why we say that first impressions, especially in the workplace, will help to shape long-term reputations, what people will think of you long-term, and perceptions. So you knock it out of the barn, folks. You get in there and you dress well, you come with, you know, speaking properly. Um, you know, you, you just bring your A-game. And so that's really, really important. So I think job fairs are extremely useful. Uh, thank you, Andrew. He says the Kimpton is still doing staycations at the same rate. Uh, Natasha says that Pedro Restaurant needs to be advertised more, especially to the foodies, as they're never on my radar for client dinners. You know what? Um, again, Natasha, that's a really, really important point. And um, I'll pass that on to, to Nelson because I do think that a lot of companies uh, you know, especially as it relates to um, advertising the services that they offer. I always say this, you have to be willing to spend money to make money. And if people don't know who you are and they don't know anything about your restaurant or your Airbnb or your little bicycle tours or whatever, then if they don't know you, out of sight, out of mind. It's as simple as that, right? 
And there is a formula to marketing and advertising. Everybody thinks that, you know, oh, well, I don't need to do this. Uh, there's a reason why people are marketing experts. They spend their entire lives knowing how to present products, how to do, um, I wonder if I can talk about why it was in, I think I can, can I say a little bit about why it was in the Brock, a little came on last weekend? Because this kind of ties in really nicely to this. Um, I need to look up my notes first though. <laughs> this is no joke. I did sign an NDA, so I want to make sure that I'm actually um, adhering to that because that's very important. Mm -hmm. Here's my little email. Okay, so let me see what we got here. Oh, this is the other one. Hold on. So, um, yes, you know, there, there, there is an art form to all of this, folks. Where's that one email that I need? I'm going to have to that one off. But we're, we're going to talk about it because um, this ties in nicely with this conversation. So even if we don't have it today, um, you know, that you can't just jump up and be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm a marketing expert. No, 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 no. What makes you a marketing expert? You need to know a lot of different things. Um, and it's not quite as easy as people think. That's why even small companies would do well with hiring experts to handle those aspects of their businesses for them. Uh, Andrea says transparency is woefully lacking. That's the other thing, Andrea. Let me make it very, very clear. The other benefit of the job fair is that it removes this element of, yes, Ms. Brenda, if we lived in an ideal world, maybe job fairs wouldn't be necessary. I don't know. But people have job fairs all over the world, and I think they're very, very useful tools. Um, but the this particular job fair um, works, and um, they're team members were there in full force. And I know you guys saw this with the live stream. They had their, their notepads. They were making notes. They, they were observing uh, people as they were speaking to the various companies being represented. They registered people properly. So remember, we told you guys to pre-register. And they also, you know, really went out of their way to um, ensure that there is going to be a follow-up. So remember the minister said, during his comments that, you know, he he wanted to be reserved in his um, positivity about the job fair in the sense that what he is most concerned about is the results. How many Caymanians are going to get hired? Now, be very, very clear. The term Caymanian is a lot broader than you think. So a lot of people have status now, folks. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, I know that Caymanian because, you know, I know her mom and whatever, whatever. It's not just a traditional multi-generational Caymanians, but we brought a lot of people on board uh, through marriage and other means that now have legal status and they are Caymanians. So they might not be speaking with a Caymanian accent, but they're still a Caymanian. So let's be very, very clear about that. Ms. Charlene says, I totally agree with you. Um, a lot of what you just said, reattire, standard of work, ethics, et cetera. But let me mention the end result of those that meet at all, that meets all that and more including years of experience and a minimum of six to eight cert certificates in that specific category of employment. And you're still denied. And I'm speaking of Caymanians that want to work. And that, and therein, Ms. Charlene, lies the problem. 
and uh, the minister has made it, I think, very, very clear now that we cannot continue um, to disenfranchise those individuals, right? If they're coming with credentials and they want to work, sometimes they may not even be an expert. There's a lot of things, folks, that with the right attitude, and that's what all the employers, I spoke to a bunch of them, they said attitude is the number one thing that they're looking for. Well, then you've got to be willing to train people. So, you know, they all say to me, oh, no employer wants to bring in someone in a work permit. I don't necessarily believe that because I know what happens when they bring in people in a work permit. In fact, at the airport, when I was going to the BRAC or to Little Cayman, someone stopped me that morning. They said, Sandy, can you speak to this government, the premier, somebody about the hiring of security staff and others at the airport being all foreign nationals? They just hired another batch and not a Caymanian in the group. And you know what the sad thing about this is? The company that is hiring those people is actually a Caymanian owned company. So let, let's talk about for a minute the hypocrisy in that whole situation. So we're going to criticize people who want cheap labor and you know security personnel and whatever uh, that's being hired to work through, I guess, the airport, CIA, or whoever they're going to do their contracts. And the people who own the company are multi-generational Caymanians themselves. So your own people are not hiring you. Make that sink in while I sip on my coconut water this morning. I'm just saying. What a mess. Miss Brenda says people don't go on vacation and get up at 6 a.m. That defeats the purpose of R&R. Well, it depends. Some people not into the kind of R&R that we're looking for. So there are people who, when they go on vacation, they just want to do things differently. So they're used to getting up at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. They're going to still get up at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. But instead of going to work and the hustle and bustle of traffic in New York, they want to go for a leisurely bike ride through East End because that is R&R to them. So this is what I'm telling you, why Miss Brenda and others, you need to know your clientele. What in your head might be R&R laying in bed all day, you know, drinking coconut water out by the beach might not be that for some people. They want to get up. They want to go exercise on the beach. They want to go for a walk. Heaven forbid you get up at six o'clock in the morning, go for a walk. Uh, Natasha says they bring the same wishy-washy, unreliable attitude into the financial sector. And then the CV shows no length of time spent with any one employer. You see, this is a difficulty of what we're having to discuss with our people. Trust me, not all of our people are up to par. And we can't fix the problem if we can't be honest about it. You know, if I say to you, listen, we need to have certain certain industry standards and people get upset about that. No, no, no. We want to be relaxed. We don't. That's why they can quickly outsource your job to somebody halfway around the world who will do it efficiently and boom, it, it is what it is. There's a guy in Facebook that I, um, I follow his page. I can't remember what his name is now, but he is a Japanese guy. And so he, um, actually follows a 
a number of like, like he'll say like the typical day in, in the life of a Japanese mom or whatever. And I like to watch his videos for a number of different reasons. Number one, it really um, gives me an insight into how other people live and the things that they, you know, do and, and just their standards. And I always find it so interesting how incredibly different um, a lot of Japanese people are. <laughs> like, like their culture is totally different. So he was talking about um, one guy who's like a restaurant manager in Japan and the hours that he puts in and the time of day that he gets up and you know what's, what is expected of his wife and how they prepare their lunches. And although he works in a restaurant, a relatively high-end restaurant, by the way, most of the times he doesn't eat at the restaurant. His wife actually packs him his little, I don't know if, they, if bento is the right word, but you know, we, you have your little stackable lunches in your little container. So they eat home cooked meal, although they have access to restaurant meals because they work in a restaurant, but that's just not how their culture is. is. Um, and so there was one recently that I watched about a Japanese mechanic and even going into work, <clears throat> the things that they do when they are at work. And I thought it was so interesting because um, this is his guy. This is a guy I'm going to show you. Um, his name is Paolo from Tokyo. So I'm going to, I'm going to send you guys his, I follow him on Facebook. Here's his page. You got to check him out. So he's Japanese and he does a lot of um, stories. And the one, the most recent one that I watched was about the Japanese mechanic, right? Um, and you know, the Japanese, unlike a lot of other cultures, really believe in a lot of discipline. Believe me, you. Um, hold on, I'm going to pull this over so you guys can see this one. And then I'll show this to you. They are very disciplined people. And I, I enjoy watching people who have a lot of discipline because I know myself when I don't have discipline, sometimes it motivates me to see other people <laughs> getting up at the crack of dawn. So here he is at 7, 10 a.m. This is like his standard day. And then the little apartments are so small, though. Oh, my God. We complain about the size of stuff. Look at this. I mean, uh, that is tiny. But you know what? He has an apartment of his own. Like he's practically sleeping. That's his bed and sofa and everything into one. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Look at his little mini miniature fridge. People don't complain. Here we got 1,500 square foot and we still complaining. That's not enough space. It's just amazing to see um, other cultures and stuff. But you know, you go through and you watch this. Um, this is him going out the door. And he actually has a car, which is amazing because most people, you know, don't have access to a car. And uh, but he's a mechanic, so I guess that helps. And, you know, all of the vehicles and stuff that they service. But, you know, what was so interesting is before they even, this is him getting to work. And he's actually a supervisor or whatever at this location. Um, it talks about, you know, what he needs to do. So did you guys see that? Did you just see that? The first thing he has to do is take a breathalyzer test. So he blows into um, a breathalyzer. Why is this saying that it's having issues on Facebook? Anyway, he, he blows into a breathalyzer before he can start working on the vehicles. I mean, they, they just have some very interesting standards. 
in terms of how they do things, right? Then he clocks in. They even have, look at this. This is where they exercise at work. You know, they believe in this. And I forget what it's called in Japan, but um, they believe in Gentile something, something, something. You know, getting their little exercise in, doing their stretching helps the mind, get you in the right proper frame of mind. Now, you know, they go over what they have to do, what their assignments are for the day. Um, and then his day gets started. And then they show you when he takes his lunch break. I'm going to show you guys this because you need to understand that the, the standards that we have in the Cayman Islands are probably very, very different and are not necessarily the standards that the rest of the world operates on. And I think that that is challenging because even as a tourist destination, when people come here, we think, um, what happened to my live stream? It probably killed it because I'm, I'm sure in this video, Facebook does that all the time. Facebook is so annoying. But yeah, we, we think that, um, you know, although I see people on Facebook, so I don't know, but I did notice the numbers dropped. Anyway, um, it says that it's having a problem on Facebook. We're having a problem on Facebook. Hmm. I don't know what's going on. So, yes, I mean, the standards that people operate with are, um, you know, very, very different. And when you're having to service clients that come from a different place, you have to keep in mind and understand what your clients are actually expecting. And I think that that is where a lot of times we miss the boat. That's where our expectations and what we should be delivering to our clientele doesn't always match. So my apologies to our Facebook people. Um, I don't know what's going on with Facebook, but I do see a message saying that um, we're having some sort of connection issue on Facebook. Let me see. Um, Aliano says, I found it to be um, a double-edged sword. We live in a relaxed, laid-back type of life and have a complex hustle and bustle work environment. We have certain issues uh, which come from the fact that the economic nature of business has now outclassed us and failed to meet a required level of work. Hmm. Uh, Aliano completely agree. And I think that part of the issue uh, with that situation as well is the fact that quite honestly, you haven't been adequately prepared for what to do and what to expect in the workplace. And I think that that is, that is the real difficulty, right? So, you know, we, we continue to exist. I feel like, um, um, as Aliano said, the, the, the place that time forgot, the islands that time forgot, and the rest of the world is simply not operating on those standards. And so that is the difficulty with it, you know? Um, yes, I'm not sure what's going on at Facebook. Let's switch over to YouTube, I guess, if you can. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened to Facebook folks. I don't know if they're having a glitch this morning. Uh, 
We'll try to find out. We will try to see what's going on. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so I just sent a little note to everybody and what's up. So yes, I'm aware that the Facebook feed is having an issue. I'm, I'm monitoring the comments, but I don't see anything that's obvious yet. It just says that it has an issue. So not sure what the issue is, but we'll keep an eye on it for you. So um, let me just read some of your comments. Al says, yes, I'm a sculptor too. I have a piece in Hero Square. Oh, really? With the two women on the steps celebrating 50 years of camp. Oh, that's you? Ah, I didn't know that. And you also did the cautious roundabout. Wow. Al, I had no clue. He studied bronze sculpting in Italy in 2004. What? You see, sometimes we don't even know. Um, Brenda, like I said, I heard over 30 people were hired on the spot. And we will do our best to certainly follow up with uh, what transpired after that to see how many additional persons um, were hired. So we will get some updates on what has transpired since then, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to the, I don't know what happened to the, the feed on Facebook. Um, let me see if I can, um, let me see if I can restart it, actually. Um, I'm not sure. If it's possible. Uh, hmm. Can I add the Facebook feed back? Hmm. Yeah, don't know what happened to Facebook there, folks. Um, but we definitely had an issue. And it doesn't look like we can um, drop the feed and restart it, unfortunately. So it is what it is. Um, so Ms. Brenda says, don't agree. I've been in the sector my entire life and I really don't care who feels threatened. Do your job and better if that's the environment, but at the very least be reliable, says Natasha. Um, yes, Ms. Pernook, good morning. Uh, people fed up. I hope this some sort of these businesses still using this thing about wanting and hiring humanity just for sham for immigrants. Well, again, if you don't show up and do what you have to do, then um, you will never know. And I feel like we're to the point where we continually uh, use that as an excuse for us to not even show up to the job fairs or, you know, apply and so on, because we, we feel, and, and maybe we need a, a reboot of the entire industry, but a lot of people are feeling very, um, let me see if I can, if I can do it from my phone, because I don't really know what's going on with the live stream on the computer. Because we still got half an hour left. So, it seems to be working from the phone. So I don't know if something, if there's a glitch on the computer um, with the live stream, but there we are. We're back in Facebook. 
It's pretty bizarre. Anyway, um, El Rey says it's called the bottom line. Welcome back, folks. I'm just going to use my phone because we're having some sort of technical issue with the feed on, um, on the computer this morning. It dropped the Facebook feed, so I don't know what happened. But hey, 30 minutes, 28 minutes is still a long time, folks. We still got a lot to talk about. Um, in fact, we're going to be switching the conversation up here a little bit. So Al Ray says, yes, it's called the bottom line. Good morning, Miss Emma. Miss Emma says, I have a degree in hospitality and I get sick of people being told that you're overqualified while expats doing a job I could do with my eyes closed and hands tied behind my back. Um, I agree with that, Miss Emma, and I've heard it too many times across different industries. Now, what I tell you is, and from the perspective of, of an employer, I understand it a little bit, but I think you have to take a chance on people uh, because one of the reasons they won't hire you if you're overqualified is they feel like you will not be challenged. And believe it or not, more than anything else, people need to be challenged in what they do. So um, it's easy, I suppose, to say, well, I can do a job with my eyes closed, but how many of us would honestly do a job that is beneath you for very long. And so employers are very, very hesitant to hire people who are overqualified for that reason, because they do not want you to come into the job. They're going to spend time training you and doing all this stuff, investing in you, setting up a file in the HR department. And two weeks out, you're like, yeah, I'm bored with this job. It's not challenging me. And the truth of the matter is people do get bored in jobs. And, you know, for me, hey, I got the kind of personality, let's be honest, if I'm super bored in a job, I'm probably not going to do it, <laughs> you know? And that's the fear that I think a lot of employers have when they hire people who have a lot of credentials on paper. Like this job, you could be doing something else. Are you just using this because you can't find a job right now? Is this just a stepping stone to something else? Because it does take a lot out of an employer to hire someone put in all of the elements of getting them onboarded, as they say, and do all this stuff, and then turn around and have them leave you within the probationary period or whatever. And so there are companies who will do a um, substantial amount to try to avoid and weed out those individuals who they feel like, okay, this is what they're gonna do. Um, so Marie says work ethics. Marshall says it's been like that for years. A lot of Caymanians and Caymanian companies don't hire the locals. Um, Gabby says you don't want to see the pay for those security companies. Have a Jamaican friend that worked for one. Uh, work until all hours in the morning and then up again first thing in the morning. Yep. And making minimum wage, basically. Um... It's Andrea Deep Blue Sea says in other countries, they use their own nationals to deal with the security of their airports, et cetera. Not Cayman. This isn't a real place. Uh, and again, those companies who are doing that have been able to put in a bid. So let's be very, very clear about how this has happened. They have been able to put in a bid with the Cayman's government for the cheapest bid. And the Cayman's government has given them that contract. So maybe what we need to be saying here, folks, is although the Cayman Islands government isn't doing the hiring, when they put out um, a central tendering, uh, like the central tendering committee, CTC, when they start to look at some of these tenders, maybe they shouldn't necessarily be going with the cheapest option. 
Because the cheapest option, 99% of the time, means that they're going to be hiring cheap foreign labor. The government gives them that contract because they're looking for a cheap contract. You see the knock-on effect? So maybe one of the requirements should be hire Caymanian staff. Yes, you're going to have to pay them a little bit more, but we want to see a company that is committed to hiring Caymanians in security industries at the airport. I bet you the flowers company would have a very different approach. <laughs> they wouldn't be hiring all the foreign nationals that they're hiring if government in the CTC process had a mandate of, you know what, hire locals. I'm just saying. Think about it. Yes. Um, so Ms. Brenda says, Sandra, in my career, I've met a vast section of people, investors, tourists, etc., and no, not one of them wanted to wake up before 9 a.m. unless they're fighting, catching a flight. Uh, vacation, she says. But trust me, it's not the same for everyone. I, I have been <laughs> on vacations myself. And um, the tours are first thing in the morning because normally that's when it's the coolest. And boy, you go out there and it's a whole load of people getting on the tour bus. So Larry says R&R for him is walking along Seaview Road. So, yeah. So Gabby says, because our own Caymanians uh, don't want to pay people a livable wage, they'd rather pay slave wages and Caymanians aren't doing it. Uh, so Natasha uh, replies to Andrea. She says, I don't agree. I've been in the sector my entire life and I really don't care who feels threatened. Do your job and better. I think I read this already. Um, but at the very least, be reliable. So you got to be able to show up. Miss um, Darlene, still here. Miss Darlene, make sure you don't leave Cayman without getting your mug. No, you know. She says, Sandy, I'm big and good customer service and good work ethic. So it upsets me how Cayman has fallen so drastically over the past years. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Damien says for that apartment in Cayman, that would be $1,200 a month. <laughs> Let me be very honest. Um, in other places in the world, you'd be paying that too for an apartment that size. I don't know about in Japan. I don't know what that apartment costs there. But um, yes. So Emma says, I now work for an NPO that was established to help Caymanians only with a problem that impacts the whole world and struggle to get the needed support we need. While NAU spending millions a year helping expats with six and seven kids, so wrong and no, I'm not stigmatizing anyone because I help anyone that asks for help, sometimes even depriving myself. So let me say something about um, that whole situation. Um, you know, this topic of, I'm looking for my back scratcher, by the way. This topic of um, NAU, continually comes up as a point of concern for many. And when we say NAU is helping expats, well, one of the requirements to qualify for NAU, Emma, is you're not supposed to be an expat. You're supposed to be a Caymanian. However, what ends up happening, folks, is um, Caymanians, remember we talked about marriages of convenience? They are marrying Caymanians of a very 
sorry, they're marrying foreign nationals of a very interesting caliber. And then they have all these anchor children, anchor babies to secure themselves. And they see nothing wrong with having six or seven children to be able to stay in the Cayman Islands and get support for them. You know, you guys are not going to like this. And I've said it before. And I don't really care who likes it from who don't likes it. But I'm going to tell you what my opinion is. If you're an NAU, needs assessment unit, you should be taken, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Monitored birth control, long-term birth control. You should not be an NAU and having any more children. I'm sorry to say, but this is the reality of it. And until NAU and the politicians can send that message very crystal clear to all of the citizens of this country, that it, listen, everybody might get in a position here and there, but if you're having to go to NAU for assistance because you can't afford to take care of what you have, you shouldn't be having any more children. And it's very, very simple to me. Okay? Just like they want to give you guided assistance for trying to find a job and other stuff, it's time to say, sorry, madam. Maybe after all them children you already got, you need to get your tubes tied. We'll pay for that. How about that? We'll fork up the money for you to get your tubes tied. Jared, good morning. Good morning, Miss Sandy. How are you? Yes, Andrea. This um, I have to. I'm doing it from the phone now because I don't know what happened to um, to Facebook. So Jennifer says Japan is expensive too. Yes, Miss Brenda. Um, oh, she says I'm too close up. Let me see if I can. Yeah, this um, this is the phone because I don't know the computer dropped the connection for Facebook. So now I'm on um, I'm on the phone. So it's a very different look. Sorry, I figured it was better to at least continue the live stream so you guys could continue to participate in the conversation. Um, but yeah, no clue. I don't know what's going on, on Facebook, y'all. But still, we got 120 people back on the Facebook stream here. Um, Miss Jalissa says a Caymanian that gets paid a livable wage is the happiest, sweetest, most helpful person you can find. But when they're working for people that can share one house with six people and live like God, like gods, when they, when we can't, it would make people feel away. Caymanians need a livable wage and we can't work eight plus hours for 450 and feel great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Natasha says, I agree with the birth control program. I'm all for it, but you know, politicians, I'm going to tell you all that. Um, that's the cold hard truth. I mean, listen to me. I sit there in court every day and I see the I see the end result of people having children that they can't afford and making all these poor decisions in their lives and all of the criminality that we have in our community, as well as a lot of it that we're importing. And I think to myself, um, you know, we need to address a lot of these issues. Like seriously, you know, you can't be having children if you can't afford them and if you're not ready. And in, in the words of Eve High Voltage, you know, because she's married to some fool fool came on in from East End. She's sitting there talking about, well, um, what I make is my money and I can go out and buy weave and do whatever I want with it. But my Caymanian husband must take care of his Caymanian children and the government must take care of these Caymanian children. You see, that's the attitude that we're importing. Mm -hmm. yes. how, how can you... I mean, I couldn't believe that this woman was saying this. We still have that show up from several years ago. Yes, I can do plastic surgery. I can pay for hair by the pound and this and that. I can live this ghetto fabulous lifestyle. 
not take care of my children financially. Andy, you shouldn't be worried about my money and how much this is what she said. Andy, you shouldn't be worried about how much I'm making because these are Caymanian children. So they're your problem. Y'all need to take care of them. I'm like, what the Ross? This is what we have imported. And who, who are we to blame? You all blame in the government for this? Immigration department, boy. Not immigration. These are individual people making the choices. If I go and marry some deadbeat Jamaican, Honduran, I don't care where they're from, some deadbeat person and import them here into my community and drop them on us. And they're doing all kinds of foolishness, um, having all these children. You know, immigration is to blame or I'm to blame. This is where personal accountability matters. But we always looking for somebody else to solve our problems and, you know, somebody else to put the blame on. Oh, yeah, the, the politicians need to, to fix these marriages of convenience. No. The people engaging in the marriages of convenience, they're the ones who need to fix it. Stop, stop doing it. You know, I get picture after picture. Sandy, look at this one. He showed up to the wedding in, in, in flip flops and he's on his deathbed. And look, look, he going to get married now to this Spanish girl, this Jamaican girl, this, this girl from the Philippines, Trinidad, wherever. Everybody knows that it's a marriage of convenience. But what are you going to do? How is immigration going to prove it? Because that little old man, he like, well, you know, I love her and she loving his pension money and trying to kill him off real quick. She put some extra salt in his dinner to hurry up and kill him off so she can live a good lifestyle. There's another case that somebody brought to me recently where the guy, remember the guy who had the heart attack up in East End? Um, and there was a video going around with him. It was kind of really hard to watch because they were trying to revive him. And apparently he had not too long married a Jamaican girl. He Jamaican himself, but I think he had status or whatever, right? And he had married this girl um, to allow her to stay here. Mm -hmm. Here, this, hear how this one go. He married her to allow her to stay here. And then poor him, he dropped out with a heart attack and died. So, hello, she's the spouse. So all of a sudden, she got his pension money. She got this. His family in Jamaica telling people must reach out to Cayman Mall Road to help them. Help you with what? what? What am I supposed to be helping you with? Your brother, son, whoever he was to you, made a decision to enter into a fraudulent marriage because he's trying to help this woman think he at. Right? I don't know what he was getting out of it. I don't know if he was just helping her or she was giving him a couple of dollars. As what was this a sex business? I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a bona fide real relationship. And within months of him marrying her, poor him, he dropped dead. And now his family in Jamaica is like, well, this isn't fair. She shouldn't have access to his pension money, really. So he didn't understand the implications of getting married to this woman. Seriously? And now y'all think that this is a story? Well, you know what the story is? The story is a lesson. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Don't get married to people for all the wrong reasons. Because yes, when you drop dead, they are entitled to your pension money and anything else you got. They will take it. So she's barely paying for the funeral here from at Churchill's is the story. And um, the poor elderly mom in Jamaica now, she's not getting nothing from his pension. This one, that one. What do you want me to do? I'm not a miracle worker. Jared, I'm going to read a few of the comments on the phone. Let me see what people saying now. Mm -hmm. Actually, let me pull up the feed on Facebook. It's hard to see it on the... Um... Yeah, very interesting. 
Yes, child. Once it's people, you know it's going to be problems in particular. Caribbean people, because we're very, we know Andrea how to said that's things. a cold hard truth, honey child. Um, Miss Brenda says the attitude should be blamed on us Caymanians. Yeah, we can't blame nobody else for some of this foolishness going on here. Uh, Peter says agree with mandatory birth control for mothers without means or husbands. Yep. Long-term birth control, y'all. But everybody's like, um, you know, it's all about, oh, me, 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 and my rights. You can't tell me what Human to do. rights. Yeah, it's going to be. A, yeah, I have a right I, I, to control I could my see body. That you have a right to control court. your body all you want. But you don't have a right to do so when you live in off the hard um, backs of the Cayman's government. The government is not a bottomless pit when it comes to money. So does Cayman still... What is this? Does Cayman still immigrate housing law? What is that? Immigration housing laws. Uh, Damien, I'm not sure. Yes, I, I think she's talking about, you know, when somebody got holy for money and they can invest, like, let's say they have a million dollars and they inject that money into Cayman, they get accelerated into the PR program. Yes, I think that is what she's talking to or referring to, but I, I stand corrected. Oh, Ms. Darlene uh, says that in the UK, the UK government has changed our laws to support for children. If you have more than two children under a certain age, the government will not give the support for any more. Yeah, I mean, because listen, there are people who are having their rent paid. Um, they're getting food vouchers. They're getting all this stuff and whatever little money they make from hustling on the side, they then live this ghetto fabulous lifestyle, right? Um, but essentially, they have government paying all their major bills. So they're not gonna stop having children or doing whatever they think is required. I know some of these people, let me tell you the God's honest truth, right? Who will get a job because NAU says you need to get a job and NAU goes out of their way, give them training, give them a job and they quit. They do not show up to work. And then they go to NAU with some far, far excuse about how, why they can't work again. Oh, I hurt my back. I did this. And it's like, oh my God, seriously. You know, we, we need to start having as a community, in my opinion, um, just higher standards everywhere. Andrew says all over the world, it's a guan. Yes, it's a guan all over the world, but I'm a business with the rest of the world right now. Yeah. And, and I'm this business is the... with Cayman. Cayman is small enough where we should be able to control some of these things. Yeah, Don't this is allow the... people to come here and use this country the way that we have been. It's just been absolutely ridiculous. And this is the reason why CETA was saying, oh, we need to get more more work permits because they realized this issue where they would say Caymanians are not pulling their weight, simply put, mm -hmm. if we can be blunt. And they'd rather people outside the country who would be more willing and be thankful for the little peanuts where they get in to be here. And I think, you know, as Caymanians, we need to objectively look at it and say, well, come on, we, we can't. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody slacking off on the job, but oh, I tell, tell him, hey, get your ass up. We need to go to work. It's not only you you're representing. Like like that saying, say, wait, go. You know, when you leave the house, it's not only you, your family you represent. You represent everybody. So they need to bear that in mind. Because if, if one person mess up, just consider the whole group of Caymanians mess up. Mm -hmm. And as much yeah. as we'd like to say, oh, I got connections. Yeah, I got, not everybody got connections. So the, a serious discussion needs to be had on that. And yeah. for people who are manipulating the Immigration Act, 
they need to be they need to start be penalized because that's not that's not good it means something is wrong with the law mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um so uh brenda says we have these problems uh, because of the importation of poverty um that's part of it but you know for a very long time um caymanians again there's an element of um laziness that goes with marrying people for for the sake of money or convenience or whatever because those people don't really want to work too hard in life so they figure okay if i marry a guy and say he has a skill he's a plumber or whatever um you know he's going to go out there and get a job and he is going to then bring in so he brings in a good three thousand dollars a month the arrangement is i'm going to get at least five six hundred dollars of that or maybe even a thousand dollars that's less of, that I have to work. You know, he's free to date and see whoever he wants. It's just a whole hot mess out there. And I don't think that a lot of people recognize uh, how much of it is actually happening and how detrimental it is to our community. So Andrew says some of these people don't deserve papers and that's on God because as soon as they get it, they turn worthless. Well, that's not on God. God is sitting up there saying, I don't got nothing to do with y'all and your foolishness. Uh, what we need to do, like everything else in life, is maybe we need to have some standards. Like, yeah, you can get your papers based on X, Y, Z, but you got to keep your papers based on A, B, C. And you start to get what list just because you got a piece of paper in your hand. Um, guess what? We can take that paper just as quickly as we gave it. Hmm? How about that for some standards? Uh, so Marshall said there's nothing anyone can do if someone chooses to go into a marriage of convenience. They're old enough to know... <clears throat> what they're doing and what they're getting out of it. Well, I mean, it's actually against the law to enter into marriage of convenience, but the difficulty is of it is that it's very hard for anyone to prove that it is a marriage of convenience. Immigration, they might have suspicions, but it's a criminal offense. And you know, the burden of proof of the criminal defense is not just a suspicion. So they need to have something more concrete. They need to be able to prove it. And that is a difficulty that Beyond the reasonable doubt. Arm, doubt. arm has. Yeah. So Ms. Maria says, um, absolutely, Sandy. Um, say the truth and shame the devil. Well, I don't know if the devil can be too shamed because you know him already. He into the mix up. <laughs> but um, it is a really um, sad state of affairs. It really, really is. But, you know, we, we can do better. We should do better. Um, and I think that at least by having the dialogue, as we do on an ongoing basis, it reminds people to do better. And, you know, I always think, listen, peer pressure and societal pressure is a heck of a thing. So many of us accept these marriages of convenience without batting an eye. So I kind of feel like if we were more like, you know, you see your friend doing it, and you say to him, um, hey, why are you marrying this Galfa? We all know that this is a fake marriage. What is this really all about? What are you going to get out of this? Like, try talking to some of the people that you know that this is what they're into. Now, sometimes they're still not going to listen to you, but, you know, at least you've done your part. This person don't mean you no good. They're just here to use you. Why are you going to do that? You could do better. Well, let's be honest, some of them can't do no better. And that's why, that's why they're mixed up with the people that they're mixed up with. Because, you know, they don't have a hope of anybody else being marriage material, perhaps. There's always that as well. 
What a hot mess. Raise your standards, my people. Uh, Natasha says, CMR, you're preaching too much common sense and facts today. Well, I hope that some of it is sinking in as a nugget of truth. Now, we have four minutes left in the program, so let's talk about... Um, Miss Sue says, by the way, this will be the last comment on this topic. Miss Sue says, most Caymanians don't want to work. I've employed many Caymanians. They have all the excuses for showing up late and for not coming to work. And then when you reprimand them, the answer's back. I'm not in a work permit. And that's why so many companies have to rely on work permit holders. This is a problem with this generation. Mm-mm-mm. I have something to say to that, though. Um, employers need to understand that this is not the, the, the radio generation. Young people aren't going to take certain crap from employers where it's like we're getting harsh mm-hmm. treatment and then things. You need to treat your employees good. If you treat your employee good, they're going to stay. And so it's a free market. People have the right to do whatever they want to do. But quite frankly, if I am an employer, my employer ain't matching up to my next step, mm-hmm. you got to go. People need to understand people are here to get to their next step. As an employer, your goal is to say, how can I best equip this mm-hmm. person to be an owner, to be the best that they can be? Because what it comes across is, oh, I scared this person, go and leave. Treat the person good and they will stay. Yeah. You never know if they help your company out. So that right. type of attitude where it's, oh, they don't want to work. So uh, Zambula says that the bad ones make it worse for the ones who are really trying. And then says most Caymanians don't want to work. Don't blame all. And I don't think it's most. I mean, Caymanians have had a history of being some of the hardest working people in the world. From going overseas to going out to sea to, you know, I don't think it's most. I think it is some, and the some make it bad for everybody, as Zambula said. And, you know, that that's the reality of what we're dealing with. It doesn't take many apples to spoil the entire basket. And everybody looking at us like, oh, Caymanians, this and that and whatever. Shoot. I mean, I, I look at my work day on a regular basis. I'm like, damn, if I could even get seven or eight hours of sleep a night, that'd be so nice. But I don't have that luxury right now. I'm building a brand here at CMR. And that requires way more work than anybody can appreciate unless you're actually doing it. And you know the irony of it? Our own people, they don't know how hard you're working. They don't know what you're doing. And they're sitting in the background begrudging you, trying to make up stories and, and, and being jealous and stuff over only God knows what. It's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You're hardworking Caymanian, you're out there hustling, you're doing your thing. And they're Caymanians and boy, you know, that Sandy, this not. It's like, what what do you know about my life? I'm here working hard. You up till one o'clock every morning doing work, uh, you know, then you can come and talk to me. You getting four or five hours of sleep every single night, then you can come talk to me. You know, you're trying to be a good mother and a good wife, then you can come talk to me. It's just... Mm-mm. These are the struggles. So Kyle, 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 whatever the heck your name is. Are you listening to the show this morning? Because he made a comment that, oh, I don't understand the struggles, he says. Mm-mm-mm. Hear him now. Oh, because you support the patent government. This was under <laughs> this was under a comment about the Omicron variant, right? So so he says, so what happens to us that can't be 
this can't be this reopening has been a nightmare. And if you weren't packed, you would be saying the same. And I'm just like, dude, what are you talking about? The entire world is in the same boat right now. We're all in this nightmare. Now, everybody reacts to stress a little bit differently, right? This is what I said to him. I'm over here in my corner holding on the fort. Meanwhile, you are out there traveling and living your best life. And you're talking about life is a nightmare. Dude, you didn't just go to Miami the other day. What kind of nightmare are you living in? Because you can get up and travel and go this place and that place and live in your best life. And you're still feeling that life is a nightmare. Imagine. You know what part of the problem is? Our people are not as resilient as they used to be. Now, listen, I'm not saying this pandemic, not some crazy shit. I mean, this is like next, next level. No one has ever been through anything like this in our lifetime. But I also get the sense that maybe because none of us have been through something like this, maybe some of your older heads have, but you know, we, we don't have a clue. We so used to like this soft life where everything is going to be handed to you in a platter. I don't know nothing about that life, Kyle. Like seriously. I don't, I don't know, you know, whatever is a nightmare stressing you out. I had to think to myself, is this really a situation of where you've had life too good that you could jump up every month and go to Miami every couple of weeks you'd be in Miami. I mean, that's not where we are right now. So if there are restrictions that are put in place because of this variant, because of, you know, travel and trying to keep COVID at bay, and you think that that's making your life so stressful, I think to myself, hmm, well, I am looking at the positivity in it. We're trying to reopen. We're seeing that we're getting, you know, some business coming in. I was listening to Nobi last night talking about, okay, I'm starting to get bookings again. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sense of hope. Money, money coming yeah, back Yeah, for in. small business owners that they can continue. That's what is a nightmare is when you can't pay your bills because the economy in the country is on lockdown and there's no plan in sight for trying to reopen. The most stress I was, was during the lockdown. So I don't want you to be talking no bullshit to me about a nightmare. Did you have a family member die during the lockdown that you weren't able to attend their funeral? That happened to my family. That happened to my husband. He wasn't able to travel when his father died suddenly. You know, there are people who are suffering so much more than us. And we're sitting here trying to make this about, oh, because you like the pack government. That has nothing to do with it. You need to pull up your big boy draws and realize that despite what we're going through, you are still so incredibly fortunate. You have a roof over your head. You have food, probably more than you need, on your table. You can still go out to the cigar bar and you can still go out drinking with your friends. What are you complaining about? Seriously. Some people just love to complain for the sake of complaining. And they don't even know what it is to have a tough life. Like, you know, I I read the comments not. Or you can sit down and watch Monday Night Football and quarreling on social media. You know, people in the world don't even have a freaking TV. They ain't got no internet. They don't have no phone. They can't watch a live stream. They can't do a live stream. Y'all need to stop. Everything is a damn complaint. Y'all don't happen about nothing.
Mm-mm-mm. People who are not gonna. This is December sixteenth. There'll be people who don't even make it to Christmas, right? On their last leg, and we sit here complaining about foolishness. Oh, and life is such a nightmare. Wow. Y'all need to be a little bit more thankful. I'm telling y'all, um, the world is not horrible from where I'm sitting in, in the Cayman Islands. Yes, we have our issues. Yes, we, you know, there's a lot that we could do to make improvement, and we want to get there. But at the end of the day, can we not be a little bit thankful for what we have? Is this not the um, Miss Brenda, oh, the comments are coming in so fast. Uh, Maria says, child, it's called taken from Peter to pay Paul. Miss Alice dropped a couple bombs on us. Um, <laughs> Marshall says, it sounds like Kyle doesn't really, or whatever his name is, doesn't really know what stress and struggle is. And, you know, I think this is part of the problem is that we have raised an entire generation of children. I mean, he's a little bit younger. I don't know if he's in his 30s yet. But we've raised young people that don't have no concept of hardship. So the first little thing to hit them, and believe me, I'm not minimizing this pandemic because this is a ooh, is a big one, right? But in life, any little thing to hit them, all of a sudden they're stressed out. They can't have it. They can't take it. It, 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 it must be that we have done something wrong. Because if they know, if they had a concept of what their forefathers went through, right? Their parents and grandparents. But you see, once we get a relatively comfortable life, we are so focused on trying to make sure that our children don't suffer, that we overcompensate. We go too far the other way. And we're giving them too much of a good life. And when a little bit of hard times hit where they have to be disciplined, Somebody was saying this to me last night. I was talking to Miss Kathy about this, right? About locking down. I said, Miss Kathy, we're at the spot now where nobody can pay attention to lockdown because the people are like, I need to be free. I need to be out. They're sneaking out to bars. They're doing this. I said, even in the middle of the last government's lockdown, you know how many people breached that? They're still showing up in court all now over a year later. That's how long the list was. So I said, you know, it's all about, I mentioned the word selfish to people yesterday in relation to the um, the vaccine, but this is a broader concept that we are all so incredibly selfish and living in a world where it's just about me, 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 and how I feel about a situation and, oh, I'm stressed out. You know, we don't think about the community anymore. We don't think what was good and best for the country, the community before ourselves. This is a failing of the Western society. Everything is me-centric very, very selfish. And so we've raised selfish children who don't know how to share with people. They don't know how to care about other people first, like none of that. And then we wonder why they talk about, oh, this is a man. And it's like, huh? Y'all need to have a little bit of, you know, thickness to you. Try having to sit down and Eat rice every day for six months because you're not going to nail seed. But rice is going to fill your belly and you're thankful for that. If our people are not getting oxtail and lobster and three, four meals a day, and then they still want to go out and have a beer and they want to do this, not, they don't know nothing about no rough life. Maria says, I have a 13-inch TV 
and it shows beautiful more than a 60 inch TV. What's wrong with a 13 inch TV? If it suits the purpose and it works. Miss Brenda says there's strength in numbers and Caymanians need to band together and keep speaking up, do it together as a peaceful protest. Again, putting the community first. But everyone is so focused on, you know, bringing attention to themselves and what about them? And, you know, it's just a hot mess. It really can be, I'm telling you. Anyway, folks, um, today is Thursday. I'm supposed to have a young man coming over at 10 o'clock that needs some help with his homework. So I'm going to go and get prepared for that. Uh, he's got a school assignment and they've asked me to help him um, with some aspects of it. So I'm going to get ready for his visit. Tomorrow is Friday. We have a press conference at two o'clock today. I'm going to go ahead and book it now. Please don't miss the press conference. I actually have a meeting booked at the exact same time as the press conference. But again, you know, I, I can't be telling my bosses, which are my clients. Um, sorry, you know, I, I, I've got to show up to the meeting. So um, we will have the press conference and then Renee will be watching it. Um, I think she's available. I did check with her. And so hopefully she'll be able to um, get all the stories and stuff that come out of it. And we'll post those up a little bit later. We have our first case of the Omicron variant in the Cayman Islands. Only a matter of time, folks, I suppose. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to live with it just like the rest of the world. You know, I feel like it was coming and it was just a question of, of when that was going to happen. So it's it's coming. It's here. We at least have one case that we know about. This person was a traveler. Now, whether or not they were a um, traveler who is a, a um, what do you call it? A visitor to the island or um, a resident. I don't know. I don't know what category of traveler they were. And I guess at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because this shows you the difficulties of, you know, traveling from one country to the next. You bring stuff back and this is what it is. And so <clears throat> the person tested positive through the um, certified lateral flow test option. So what that means is they didn't test positive in their, their required PCR test beforehand. And this can still happen, right? So you're testing. That's why they're tightening it now as of tomorrow's date to one day before. Mm -hmm. So you're testing three days before. A lot can happen in three days. So when you get to day two or three and you have to do the mandatory lateral flow test, that's now six days, almost a week, since you had your PCR test and it came back positive. So after it came back positive, they tested it. And sure enough, um, we have the variant here. Interesting. What can you do? Well, um, the one recommendation is to get your booster shot. Now, I was going to wait until January because I didn't feel like I was necessarily in a rush. Uh, but now this has changed things even for me. So I will be doing my booster shot probably either tomorrow or Saturday. Um, Saturday is a little bit tricky for me because I have at least two locations that I need to be at um, for uh, like I got to work on Saturday. 
So I feel like I need to give myself a little break, bit of a break. Um, let me just have a look here and, and look at the schedule and I'll tell you guys. Cause I want to, I want to do mine when I can go home and like just rest and not, you know, so let me see now. Today is the 16th. So we have um, Bodden Town Clinic Beach. I mean, sorry, Bodden Town Public Beach tonight from 5 to 8 p.m. is the vaccine clinic. Maybe I'll go there. But then if I need to take tomorrow off. Mm. Well, I just hoping that the strong K-man um, Georgetown jeans kick in and I don't have to take a day off because I can't even afford to take a day off. They see I have an after work event tonight, so I don't know about that one either. And then we have um, tomorrow, they're going to be from 1230 to 4 at the new McClendon Drive location. And then 530 to 7. Sister Islands, if you're in the Sister Islands, 2, two, two, two to 4 o'clock at Ashton Ruddy tomorrow. So make sure you go. So now Saturday morning, I could get up early in the morning. I could go at 9 o'clock. But then, like I said, I have like two events to do on Saturday. So, hmm. And one of them is outside in the hot sunshine, so I don't know. Uh, and then the next one would be Monday in Savannah. Maybe I'll do the Monday in Savannah. Mm, boy, these are tough decisions because, you know, you anticipate you might need to rest up for a day or so. You might feel a little bit feverish or whatever if you have a reaction to the vaccine. And I'm sort of taking this into consideration because next week now, um, first of all, my daughter's concert, school concert is tomorrow. And then um, next week, she's out of school already. So I'll have her all week. My husband doesn't take vacation until the 23rd. So if I'm feeling kind of feverish, you know, I got to be in mom mode. And she's not going to understand that mommy wants to lie down because she's not feeling well. Oh, this is tricky. Jared, you see my difficulties? Yeah, being an adult, when you have children, you have a lot of responsibilities on top of yeah, you know, business. Yeah, you got children, order. you got work, and you got to think about, you know, you might need some downtime after the shot. I think we're about so, it. So, maybe what I'll do is I can't really see myself working it in unless I go to Town tonight. All right, I got to think carefully about this. Monday might be my best bet. And then just hope that I don't have, other than the sore arm, anything else to worry about. All right, folks, I'm going to have to think about that. Um, but the booster shot is the recommendation. Um, I know some of y'all up in your feelings about the booster shot. Oh, why are we having to get the booster shot? Are we going to have to do this every six months? Well, we don't know. You know, the variant is here, the Omicron variant. We had the Delta variant. That's been the dominant one now for quite some time. And the bottom line, really is that um, we can only do what we can do. You know, this, this virus will mutate and it's changing. And the best thing that you can do, folks, is um, try to give yourself a, some protection. And, and the, the vaccine is all we got. Well, hand washing, mask, you know, all of that is part of the program, right? So I do feel um, like, yes, we don't know what the future holds. Is this going to be an annual booster every six months, who knows, but it's an option, folks. And thank God that we have an option and that everyone is not dying from this with no, no hope of anything to kind of slow this virus down. 
So viruses mutate and um, folks, you know, it, it is what it is. None of us have been through this um, before. And so, you know, I think we just need to be as positive as we can and do what, uh, what we can at this point in time. So the, the governor has also issued an urgent plea to get your booster shots because unfortunately, um, you know, it will now um, take you up back into the higher percentile if you get the booster shot. So to be clear, uh, they're now recommending it three months after because that's this variant is so different. So I uh, am... When did I do mine? I had printed my vaccine thing the other day, but I'm at least six months out now. So I definitely need to do my booster. And so I think I will do mine first and then my husband will do his and then we'll both be boosted up. And uh, yeah, folks, what, what else can you do? I mean, I, listen, don't let the stress of the situation kill you. That's one recommendation I have. Um, let's just try to live as well as we can uh, given the circumstances, right? So um, press conference today at 2 p.m. So please tune in for the press conference. I mean, I don't expect to hear a whole lot, except that, you know, obviously they're aware that the, the Omicron variant is here. They're now testing um, everyone and they'll be, um, you know, just recommending. I mean, they've already shortened the travel, the testing requirement time. I'm not sure what else they could do to try to slow this variant down any further. They're, they're following the exact same protocols that um, everyone has been doing as it relates to trying to slow this down as much as possible. We do know that it is twice as transmittable, like it, that it you know infects people sort of at twice the rate of Delta. So far, I think the verdict is still out. If it's just as deadly or serious as Delta, worse or maybe not as worse, there's not enough data on that quite yet. But what they do have data on is the vaccine boosters help and it does infect people at twice the rate of uh, the non, um, of the Delta variant. So let's uh, pay attention during the press conference and then we'll see what comes out of that. And um, we'll take it from there. Okay, uh, Jared. Thank yeah. you for patiently waiting. So Jared has told us that he's going to be starting his own little company soon. So when is this launching? It's launching January the 1st, 2022. Okay. Very good. Uh, it's called KY345 Merch. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about it in the coming weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we can take it from there. So have a beautiful day. You too. Folks, um, again, I don't know what happened with the connection um on facebook but we got it up on the phone you got to improvise uh where necessary let me tell you um so there's that but thank god we have a phone and we could still do the live stream appreciate you guys tuning back in and um tab jam says is your sister fully recovered from covid yes um i think she's been recovered for like a little while now so you guys will know that one of my, um, she's a half sister, but I don't really, to be honest, I'm not close to her and I don't really know her like that. Um, so I will hear from other people that she has 
recovered, but she has other, and I'm glad that she's recovered because she does have other um, health issues that, you know, would be considered comorbidities. So this could have been, her infection could have been very, very serious for her. But um, thankfully she was vaccinated and um, she had a bit of a fighting chance to recover. So I heard from a source yesterday that there's another person um, in the hospital who's on a ventilator that they may be pulling the plug on him. Um, I can't say a whole lot about that, except that that's what I heard. So um, I don't know who he is or anything like that. We did have a death in East End. Um, so I want to extend our condolences to the families um, of that. You'll, you'll hear it later on um, who that is. So, you know, Caymanians folks are all interconnected. So when somebody dies, you're like, oh, that's so-and-so's father and husband or wife or so um, there has been a death of an elderly person um, in West in East End. I've got it several, and not just East End, Gun Bay. Because you know them East Enders child, they'd be like, um, Gun Bay different. So yes, we've gotten word of this person passing away this morning, a male in the Gun Bay area. So our condolences to him and his, um, to him, well, he's dead. <laughs> our condolences to his family. Um, the family of the deceased, and uh, just to know that we're thinking about them during this very difficult time. All right, so we'll see you guys at 2 o'clock uh, for the press briefing. Please be safe, and um, like I said, tune in, and we'll find out more about what's happening. Um, so for the YouTube people, I'll play the regular out the uh, outro, and then for Facebook, I'll tell you guys to have a beautiful day. Thank you, Ervalyn. Cyber Warfare Test says Damien. Um, Denise, Josephine, Odette, Ken, thank you so much for watching. Chantel says, I did my booster, no problem. Yeah, I mean, some people just like the first shots may or may not have a reaction. So I didn't have a reaction to either one of my um, shots and maybe this one will be the same, who knows. So I'm thinking I might, yeah, I'll decide what I'm gonna do. Sometimes I just do it at last minute. I'm like, you know what, get it done and dusted. Let me go in there and just get it done. So not sure yet, but uh, yeah, we'll get it done soon enough. All right, beautiful people, have a wonderful day in Facebook world. And um, YouTubers, you guys have a beautiful day as well. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.